0: Thank you, Louise. That was quite a long chapter, wasn't it? And bits of it um, are even difficult to understand. Anyway, I hope that we'll understand it better after our thinking together. Friends, today we're again in Matthew's Gospel um, and as far as the narrative is going, we're really getting close to the business end of uh, our Lord's crucifixion. Um, I will confess that uh, this chapter is not the most cheerful passage of Scripture we could be reading in the lead-up to Christmas. Um, The chapter focuses on a particular group of Christ's human enemies, the Pharisees, who are famous for their enthusiasm for strict rules and prejudice and sadly, hypocrisy. I don't know about you, but chapter 23 of Matthew's Gospel is exactly the kind of passage I'm tempted to flip over when I'm reading the Bible. Um, I'm not a Pharisee, I don't think I'm a particularly high-maintenance person, I'll mix with anyone, I'm company, I'm perfectly comfortable in the company of young people, Um, probably not very hip but I'm reasonably unshockable, Um, but I don't care whether people wear shorts or suits to church. Um, So, like many, I'm tempted to think that this chapter of the Bible can't possibly be about me. Um, But of course, we know from 2 Timothy uh, 3.16 that all Scripture is God-breathed, And useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting and training and righteousness. And the other thing about this passage of Scripture, if you've got one of those books of the Bible, if you've got one of those versions of the Bible which renders all of the things that Jesus says in red, you will find this entire chapter is in red font. Every single word in it came from the mouth of our Lord Jesus. So, we cannot ignore anything it has to say. We do have to slow up, we do have to pay attention, it's a very important passage of Scripture. So, let us prepare ourselves in prayer and then we will study it together. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. We pray that Your Holy Spirit might dwell in us and help us as we study Your Word this morning and bring us to a greater knowledge of Christ Jesus and more enthusiasm in serving Him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, a little background, a lot of this chapter is about a bunch of people called the Pharisees. In the first century, the Jewish faith was divided into quite a number of different types of people. Now, they were a little bit like our Christian denominations today, but also a little different. There are a number of these groups mentioned in the New Testament. There are the Pharisees, of course, the Sadducees, another group called the Herodians, um, and there were others that aren't mentioned in the New Testament, such as the Essenes. Um, It would be a bit of a mistake to think that, like us, where we sign up as either Catholics or Protestants or Baptists or Pentecostals and you stay that way and mix only with those bunch of people, it seems that these were more schools of thought within Judaism and any congregation of Jews could have had any number of these people among them. But the distinguishing feature of the Pharisees was that they relied heavily on oral traditions to help them translate or to interpret the first five books of the Bible. And they regarded these in oral traditions as having near the same status as we would consider for Scripture today. And this particular chapter contains a number of religious practices which they established and interpreted for people, such as tithing, and there's another reference to wearing tassels and using things called and and so on of that nature. We'll study a couple of those but they were religious practices which they had a lot to say and they were very strict about these rules. Now the other thing about the Pharisees is that unlike the Sadducees who were sort of aristocratic and got on with all the high families in Israel, the Pharisees were a little bit more blue-collar and that did make them much more popular and they were common among the uh, populace of Judaism in first century Israel. The Pharisees, however, rejected Jesus because He did not bring to them the one thing they refused to believe in, the need to be forgiven of sin. They thought they were working their way by being good and they really didn't recognize the need to be forgiven. Now, as a congregation of people who are saved by grace, many of us probably don't think of ourselves as the full-on Pharisee. So, we'd wonder what we'd have to learn from this chapter of the Bible. But my friends, this chapter of the Bible describes a number of features of Pharisaism which can inhabit our Christian faith today. So I'm going to look at six different characteristics of the Pharisees during um, um, our study this morning and what we need to do is see whether or not these exist in our lives and work out what we should do about them. Now, the first thing about the Pharisees is they knew what to say but they did not do what they said. Jesus said, they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with one finger. They hypocritically lectured others about what was right and what was wrong, but they behaved badly themselves. So for us, reading them, we need to apply this challenge to our own lives. We need to look whether there is a difference between what we tell people is right and wrong and whether we do that in our lives. And if there's a difference between the two, we cannot tolerate that difference one second. We need to make ourselves of anything in our lives which is constant sin or reoccurring sin and we, in the way in which we might spend our time or our money or relate to members of our family or our work colleagues and we, or how we might be unkind to neighbours or in, indulging in some secret sin. We need to recognise sin for what it is, for the ugliest, ugliness that it is and to remove it from our lives and confess it to God. We cannot be like the Pharisees who said one thing and do another. The other thing about Pharisees is that they practiced their faith in such a way that they were seen by others. Jesus said of them, all their deeds are done for men to see. These were people who practiced their faith and showed it off in public. Elsewhere in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus talks about the Pharisees who prayed in such a way that they were seen by others to be praying. They served the poor, but only in a way in which they were seen by others to be doing it. They obeyed the Scriptures, but again, only in a way that they were seen to be doing it. And and in doing that, they received what they really wanted. They wanted recognition and esteem from other people for being religious. And Jesus warned us, He said, beware of practising your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for they have no reward from uh, your Father who is in Heaven. For example, in our friends, when we're performing ministry within the Church, we need to ask ourselves, are we doing this in order to be accepted or affirmed or congratulated by other people? Do we pray or serve or give to get credit from others who worship with us or are we doing it, as Paul says, for the glory of God or as he says in Philippians, he says, for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. If you're doing a service for the right reason, we won't be seeking thanks, or acknowledgement or need to be heaped with recognition for doing it. Of course, my friends, it's a good thing that we do that to each other, please don't let me discourage you from thanking each other, we should be thankful people. But friends, if you do something and no one thanks you, my friends, you're doing it to God, He notices and you don't, you don't need and shouldn't need any other sort of acknowledgement than that. We should serve humbly and be prepared to do it without recognition. We need to see ourselves as serving the Church solely and exclusively for the approval and glory of God and if we're not, my friends, we're we're channelling our inner Pharisee if we do. Do we attend church because we think it's the right thing to do or are we coming here to encourage others to do the same? Friends, it's easy to be bored um, or offended when people don't live up to our expectations at church when the sermon, maybe like this one, is a bit boring or the songs played aren't necessarily to our taste or our personal favourites or the catering that we have after church mightn't live up to whatever we like. Friends, that's not what we're here for. We are here to encourage each other and we should be about doing that regardless of whether it meets what we see as our standard of perfection. As I said, otherwise we're channeling what the Pharisees did. Pharisees are also people who keep Jesus They keep people from Christ's grace. Jesus made a very heavy criticism of the Pharisees in verses 13 to 15. He said, you shut the Kingdom of Heaven in people's faces. Friends, may we never do that. But friends, when we give the impression that being a Christian is more about doing the right thing and being seen to do the right thing and then being blessed by God for doing it, we are taking people away from the message of the gospel, the gospel of grace. There are people who like to parade their brilliant children, their amazing possessions, their superior skills as something they've been inspired by God to get. And friends, that is not what we are meant to be doing as Christians. Those things may come to us if that's God's grace to do it. But friends, what we need to be seen as humble people who are blessed by God and encourage other people to do the same. Friends, Jesus called the idea of recruiting people to doing the right thing as recruiting people to hell. That's how seriously He regarded it. We need to be living in such a way that the people who look at us are amazed by grace, not amazed by our conduct and behaviour. We need to practice humility in everything that we do. We need to live in a way that people's eyes are widened to God, not focused on us. Friends, another thing that Pharisees did is they added their convictions and their personal preferences and tastes to the traditions of the Word of God. As Jesus said, He said, they tie up heavy and cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they're not willing to do them themselves. And he says, as one illustration, they make their phylacteries wide and the tassels of their garments long. And those of us in the 21st century are probably wondering, what on earth are phylacteries and tassels and why are they important? So friends, I've got a picture to show you that shows you what phylacteries are. Um, And my friend Andrew will probably put it up in just a second. Oh there we are, here's a picture of two Jewish guys wearing phylacteries. Now the first thing I need to tell you, if you have some Jewish friends and you say, I discovered what phylacteries are, friends, they don't call them this, they call them tefillin. But because the Bible was written in Greek, it comes into our New Testament as phylacteries. But anyway, they're the same thing. They're leather ropes that have got little boxes on the end of them and in the box it's got a passage of Scripture. The usual passage of Scripture is is from Deuteronomy 8, which it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and then it talks about the Word of God, and then it says, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads. So that's literally what they do. They tie up God's Word and stick it so that it lands on their bicep and it, it points to their heart, and the other one is on the top of their head. But friends, they're missing the point. Sure, this is a great way to make, to illustrate it, but friends, they're kind of missing the point. When Moses said, write them in your hearts, he meant absorb them so that they become second nature and they miss the point. And friends, it's really easy to get enamoured in the language and miss the point. I'm reminded of a very funny story of an old bloke who was taking some kids around a church and they got to the part of the church where they had the honour roll with all the people Who'd passed away in the war and the kids said, what's this? And he says, this is the list of all the people who died in the services and the kids asked them, do you mean the eight o'clock or the (laughs) ten? But in any event, we need to be careful that we're actually invoking what the Word of God means and getting the point, not missing the point by empty ritual like this. Now, it's always healthy for us and for churches to do a bit of a spring clean of our practices or programs To make sure that we're not building and exhausting people with unfruitful structures that miss the point of our actual mission. We need, we don't gather here to create music and we're not here to generate big crowds or socialise or collect money or attend meetings or do charity work or perform great rituals or even entertain friends. We are here specifically to give glory to God in the middle of our community and to see that He is worshipped We're here to promote and equip the spread of the Gospel amongst each other and in the rest of the world and we are here to encourage each other to stay strong in the faith. Everything we do should be focused on that. Our resources are precious, they are scarce and we need to make sure that we're not burdening our weaker brothers and sisters with practices and structures that burden them or burn them out. I'm not going to list any, I hope St. John's doesn't have them, but it is a healthy thought to make sure that we're doing things for the right reason, not doing it because we've always done it that way. Number five, Pharisees lack love for people in need. Unfortunately, the Pharisees missed really important things. These people were so careful in their religious practice, they would go through their pantries and count the amount of spices they had, like uh, dill and cumin and stuff like that and they would tithe, make sure they gave 10% of that but miss the whole point of gathering this stuff up, for money for the Lord was to make sure that the message of God spread and to help people in need. They looked for every conceivable reason not to help the poor, we're told in the New Testament. They looked down on Jesus because He sat with sinners instead of having compassion on people who needed God. They despised Jesus for healing a man's withered hand instead of wanting to see that man healed. They cursed Jesus for casting a demon out on another man instead of rejoicing that he was finally clear. Pharisees found every way to leverage the law, as we're told in the parable of the Good Samaritan, to literally walk the long way around a dying man in the middle of the road, right in front of them. Friends, genuine followers of Christ have died themselves and we are meant to live for the needs and interests of others, whoever God places in our path. A genuine Christian is one who cares for the poor and who cares for the lost. And if you aren't, again, we're channeling our inner Pharisee if we are just here for our own good. Finally, Pharisees cover sin instead of confessing and repenting. Jesus said to them, he said, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate and then the outside may be clean. You are like whitewashed tombs. This is an amazing illustration. He describes a graveyard which looks clean and polished on the outside, but inside it's full of yucky things like dead bodies and bones and that's what they were like in being hypocrites. They look great to other people but to God He could see the depth of their wickedness. Now, I don't know how you manage the need to display this kind of humility but for myself, um, I make a point where I can when I'm dealing with my brothers and sisters and things like our small group and our small group members will tell you that I do this, I make sure that people understand that I am not some paragon of virtue, I struggle with sin too. I would not want any of you to leave here this morning thinking that I don't sometimes cover up the truth to protect myself, that I'm sometimes greedy and self-indulgent, that I can be insensitive or rude or lazy, just ask my wife, or indisciplined or not diligent in undertaking prayer and Bible study. I am beset by all of those problems but guess what? I'm standing in the middle of a bunch of friends who are just like me and if you don't think you are, you're being a Pharisee. The distinctive measure of a Christian is not how good we are, it's how much we're prepared to tell the world that God has saved us and to make it clear that we have been saved, we are not doing it ourselves. Modern-day Pharisees say that they have fellowship with Jesus while they're secretly walking in darkness. They're working overtime to clean up the show that people see and they're taking no interest in that which people can't. Lovers of Jesus are distinguished by their willingness to confess sin, knowing that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the mark of the Christian isn't how good you are, It's how much you're on your knees, confessing your sin and being prepared to say, I'm in that too, and if it wasn't for Jesus, I would be worse. In closing, we need to ask ourselves, are we quietly Pharisees in the making? Do we recognize any of the traits I've been talking about in ourselves? I do, and I do constantly. And if we begin to see a sense of disconnect between what our head is telling us we should do and what we're actually doing in our life, we need to make sure that we don't tolerate. And we don't need more information, friends. This is not something that you'll solve by Googling more or taking more classes or getting more information. Good, that is. The the Bible encourages us to have that knowledge. But friends, as important as knowledge is, it is not the key to reviving our hearts. God is. It's knowing doesn't open our eyes and ears, it's God who opens them. God must drag whatever each of us knows about Him into our hearts and make it real in our lives. The Apostle Paul prayed for Christians in this way. He said, I do not seek to give thanks to you for and remember you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, of revelation in the knowledge of Him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Friends, Paul prayed for Christians to be made great by God and we need to be in that. He didn't say neglect information and knowledge but he wants us to understand that the way to having a satisfying, abundant Christian life is letting God do it and rely on Him for doing so and if we do that, we will not be channeling our inner Pharisee. So, my friends, I hope that that was a helpful list to you. It was for me as I compiled it and I hope that it blesses you in your life and it's been a pleasure to share it with you this morning. May you all be blessed. Thanks.